God wants to do a transforming work in your life. God doesn't want us to stay the same. God wants us to transform. God wants us to grow. God wants us to become so much more than what we are. God wants to do a transforming work in your life. We've been doing a series right now called The Good and Beautiful God, where we have been looking at the characters and qualities of God. And today, this Sunday, we're going to look at God transforms. And the way that we're going to do that is when you look at transformation, sometimes you call it, you can call it growth. There's always three things that happen in growth or transformation. There's always a beginning, and then there's, there's always an end, which is what you're being transformed into. And then there's something in the middle, what happens between the beginning and the end, the middle part. So if you think about transformation, or you think about growth, the beginning of growth or transformation often entails some kind of loss. And then the end of transformation and the end of God's transformation in our lives is glory. We're going to unpack that a little bit. And then that middle time between loss and glory is for us the life of faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ and how we live it out between the beginning and the end. Can I show with you guys a little hobby that I do? It's going to get us into transformation and illustrate this idea of loss. What am I talking about? Um, I brought it with me here. I, uh, I love to grow stuff. I love to watch stuff grow. And so what I brought with me is um, a packet of um, seeds that I'm going to plant. These things are giant pumpkin seeds. Um, now, in the past, I've, I've tried these once before. Uh, I've grown a giant pumpkin. The biggest pumpkin I've ever grown is 79 pounds. Um, and, uh, but, but check this out. I bought these because I, I loved what they said. And they said, if you, if you get these, uh, uh, you plant these, and the seedlings emerge in 7 to 14 days. And then, um, after about 120 days, you're supposed to get a really big pumpkin. And on the front, it says, grows up to 200 pounds. So, I am looking to grow this little bad boy here up into 200 pounds. So, I'm looking for October, so I had to dial it back, 120 days. I'm going to start it in May. But uh, this is what I'm going to go with. And if you want to know, like online, I've been totally researching this. So, there's like super cool techniques to to grow this. I'm going to look to grow this. I'm so excited about growing this thing. But even in these giant pumpkins, you have to lose something in order for these to grow. See, when you put these in the ground, what's going to happen is these really nice, kind of cool, white, beautiful seeds, the casing is going to come off. And this little seed is really going to die in order for the vine to grow And then the vine is going to come out along the ground, and then it's going to bear fruit. But if I was worried about preserving all these seeds and just keeping them just like these white little seeds and keeping them all safe, 
If I was afraid of losing these seeds, I'd never plant them in the ground. And they'd never grow. And they would never transform into the 200-pound pumpkin that I know is in here. Jesus Christ says it this way. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In order for growth and transformation to really happen, something often needs to be lost or something needs to die. You know this in your professional life. You know this, if you think about your career, you know this professionally. If you're going to grow in your career, that means stepping into greater and greater places of leadership. You need to grow into greater responsibility in your workplace. That means you're going to be taking on this project. That means you're going to be taking on this new initiative. It means that you're going to have to risk yourself. But what do you lose in order to grow that way? What you lose is the safety of being a follower. You lose the safety of someone else telling you what to do and being responsible as soon as you grow into leadership, as soon as you grow into risk-taking. Think about what it takes to grow as a person in relationships with other people. What does it take to grow and become emotionally mature? What it means is, actually, and this is really painful sometimes, to grow and to be a whole and mature relational person you have to, a lot of times, give up selfishness. To grow, what gets lost is being self-referential, where it's your own feelings that rule. Sometimes what gets lost is pride. Anybody out there been in a relationship where you've had to become more emotionally mature than you are, and you had to die to yourself? You're like, oh, I really wanted my own way in this. But for the sake of loving someone else, I'm going to go where they are. I'm going to serve them in what they need. And that part of me, I'm going to just let that part die so that I can grow and love this other person the way that God wants me to love them. If you've ever grown in that, you, can, you know how painful it is, but you know that's true. And so transformation oftentimes will begin with some loss, something that needs to die, so that something new can break forward. Something new, God can grow something new in you. In the life of the Apostle Paul, he has experienced this himself. He talks about his loss Actually, in much more graphic terms, he talks about it in terms of death, dying. He talks about it in terms of being crucified, being crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul, if you don't know about him and his story, he's written a lot of the stuff, a lot of the letters in the New Testament. But he was a Pharisee. What that means is he's a teacher, a religious leader, a teacher of the law. 
And his status and his power in the Jewish community came from him being an expert in the law of Moses. Because he could teach about the law of Moses and he could tell people if they were doing right by the law or doing wrong by the law. There's a tremendous amount of power in being able to tell people whether they were doing God's will or not doing God's will. And that was Paul. That was what his role was. He came from a great school of Pharisees and he was one of the big leaders. He was very zealous for the law. This is what he has to say about his experience and his loss, his crucifixion around the law in order to gain Jesus Christ. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. The Apostle Paul writes this, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. That's his transformation. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He doesn't live by the law anymore. He dies to the law. And he lives by faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has this transformation from law into real life and real relationship and real faith in Jesus Christ. That's really strong language. Dying to the law, being crucified with Christ. But what's in there and behind for Paul is he not only just dies to the law, but as a teacher of the law, as a source of power, he dies to the status, he dies to the power, he dies to everything that he, that he gets from the law. He dies from all of that. You know, if you know Paul, you know that he had this incredibly transforming experience. When he was the Pharisee, still leading and still living out of the law, he actually was persecuting and imprisoning the followers of Jesus Christ before he had his transformation, before he had his conversion. And so he was hunting out in the first and second century, hunting out the followers of Jesus Christ to try to imprison them because he felt like they were outside the law of Moses. And then, and then in the book of Acts, chapter 9, as Paul is on the road going to a city called Damascus, he's all of a sudden surrounded by a big light. And all of a sudden, he falls to the ground and he asks into the light, as he's still a Pharisee, as he's still persecuting the followers of Jesus, he says, Lord, who are you? And this is what the voice says that comes out from heaven. There's a voice that says to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, go to the city, let's go to Damascus, and I will show you what you have to do. Three days the Apostle Paul is blind. The scripture says he doesn't eat, he can't see anything, and for three days he prays. And then in that time, 
God sends to him Ananias, another follower of Jesus. And Ananias comes to him and places his hands on Paul, places his hands on his eyes, and he says to him, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Transferred from the law into the life of the Spirit. Transferred from the law of Moses into faith in Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And then, as Acts chapter 9 says, and immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and Paul regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. The Apostle Paul's transformation began with his own loss. He lost his sight. He lost his reliance on the law. He lost what he thought in his position of telling people what was right and wrong. And he began this transformation in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Is there anything in your life that you think you need to lose to draw closer to Jesus Christ? Is there something in you, maybe some belief, maybe something that you're holding on to that maybe you think Jesus might need to crucify in you to draw you closer to an authentic faith in Christ? I mean, maybe there might be expectations, comparisons that you have, maybe a history, disappointments that prevent you from recognizing and seeing God at work around you. See, Paul, even though he was a religious leader, had all kinds of stuff that was preventing him from seeing the work that God was doing. He was holding on. He was holding on to something. And then he writes this. I have been crucified with Christ. It's such a significant statement because who he was was crucified and died in order for him to be transformed more deeply in Jesus Christ. Now God's transformation does begin with loss. But see, that's not the end of the story. God wants to transform us because the end of the story is glory. The end of what God wants to transform each and every one of us into is glory. It's, and we're going to unpack that a little bit. But listen to these two passages of Scripture that affirm that God wants to transform us into glory. The first one comes out of the book of Corinthians. Again, out of the writings of the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17 and 18 says this. Listen for the words glory and the transformation. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Not the law, but in the Spirit. Like what Paul found, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, 
are being transformed. And what are we being transformed into? Into the same image. The same image from one degree of glory to another. We're being transformed into the same image, which is the glory of God, from one into another. Little by little, transformation, growth. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is also affirmed in Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says this, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints, to them and to all of us, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of the mystery which is Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's where we're going. That's the transformation, the hope of glory, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, glory is this word. We don't really use it too much. Sometimes you go, oh man, that was glorious. But we don't really use the word glory so much. In these verses in scripture, it comes from this word in Greek. It's called doxa. And glory, what it means is it means splendor. You could say it means beauty. It means excellence. It means dignity. It means grace. Glory. That's what we're being trans- transformed into. When you picture other people around you, or when you picture yourself, can you see that? Can you see that in yourself or in other people? That they are going to be transformed and you are going to be transformed into excellence and splendor and beauty and glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. What that means is, first of all, that you are more than you appear. That you were meant to house the fullness of God. That's who you are. You were meant to house the fullness of God. And the second thing is, that's where you're going. As followers of Jesus Christ, one day you will house the fullness of God in all his glory. There's a pretty famous uh, Japanese cosmetic company. It's called Shiseido. I think that's how you pronounce it. How does that, I think I messed that up. How do you pronounce it? Somebody help me. Shiseido? Is that how you Thank you. I get a nod from a guy out here. Thank you very much. That's how you pronounce this. Shiseido. All right. All right. Well, okay, if you already know this company, this, the way this company works, they've got all these beauty products. They've got makeup. They've got perfume. They've got stuff. They even got stuff for men, you know? So check it out. You know, Father's Day's coming up, you know? No, don't, don't. No, I'm just kidding. Well, okay, so what happens is with Shiseido, um, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in uh, the world of Japanese executives, and he was with another company, and he was telling me that he knows a guy that's really high up in the in executive level of Shiseido 
who happens to be a Christian. And they joke back and forth. They said, hey, you know what? In heaven, you're not going to have any market. There's no market for Sado in heaven. The reason there's no market, and they laugh about this, is because you're not going to be needing it. Because you're going to be in glory. And you're going to be housing the fullness of God in all the glory. But between loss, which is the beginning of transformation, and the end, which is the fullness of transformation, which is glory, it's this question. How do we live? How now shall we live so that we are transformed and open to all the transformation that God wants us to do? This middle time between loss and glory, that's for us the life of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches us this life in John chapter 15. He says this in verses four and five. How do you live in transformation from loss into glory? Jesus Christ says this, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in Jesus Christ, the life of faith, it's the way of transformation that bridges loss and glory. What I'm talking about is continual transformation, growth, conversion, to become more and more like Jesus Christ, to become more and more like the image of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to become more and more and more like that. So let me give you a couple of things to think about for how to do that, a couple of different categories for how we see people, for how we spend our time, and for a soul training exercise for this week, which will touch on solitude, which Mo shared with us earlier. First of of all, how do we see people? How do we see our time? How do we see our activities? How do we participate in this transformation? The first thing that I'd like to challenge us is, how do you look at other people? How do you see other people? Is there something about the perception of what we see in other people that maybe needs to die so that God can bring up something new? Do we look at other people and maybe are are critical of them or judge them or maybe want to stand off from them? Maybe there are pieces like that, that that maybe we need to die to so that maybe God can grow in us a vision to see in them someone for whom Jesus loves and for whom Jesus forgives and who was made to house the fullness of God 
and live in glory. Just kind of seeing other people. Or maybe it's how we look at ourselves. Maybe there's something in us that needs to die. Maybe we tell ourselves that we're not that great, we're not that special, we don't look that good. Other people are so much better than we are. And maybe we need to die to that, to live into the reality and the incredible possibility of who God has really made us to be and who Jesus says who you are, that you were meant to house the fullness of God, that you were meant to reflect the image of the holy God. Or maybe something that we need to die to is how we spend our time. And we're like, man, I'm not really spending the time abiding with God. I'm not really spending time listening to how God wants to move and lead and call my life forward into more and more joy. And maybe there's things in, in what we do that we maybe need to die to so that we can open up our lives to God. How are we entrusting ourselves to God? Maybe there are things that we entrust ourselves to that instead we need to entrust ourselves to God. The Apostle Paul entrusted himself to the law of Moses, but instead entrust himself to God. We have a lot of idols. We're surrounded by a lot of idols. Entrusting ourselves to our career, to our finances, to our reputations, to what other people think of ourselves. Are there places where we need to die to ourselves to abide in Christ, remain in him, spend time with him? And this is the soul training exercise for this week. Getting away to be with God. 25 minutes every morning, just you and God. You can spend that in silence and prayer. You can spend that reading scripture. 25 minutes, 30 minutes in the morning, or maybe just before you go to bed. Maybe you go on a walk. But it's time in solitude. Oftentimes it's in silence. And it's just you and God. It's intentionally you and God. There's something that happens with transformation. It can only happen between you and God. Hear this. It can only happen between you and God. I long for it to happen in your life, but as your pastor, I can't make it happen. Books won't make it happen. Teachers and preachers, you listening to another podcast, that won't make it happen. Transformation, authentic faith, can only happen between you and God. We want it to happen. Everybody that writes books and teaches and preaches, we want it to happen for you, but we can't make it happen for you. Only you can make it happen. Only you can make it happen. It's between you and God. And when you open yourself up to God, God will meet you there. 
because God desires to transform you. Now, you might be sitting there thinking and listening to this and might be going, okay, I'm hearing about this. Maybe there is something I need to lose. Maybe, 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 yeah, maybe. Maybe there is some times I can abide with God. But maybe in your heart of hearts, you go, man, I know me. I don't really think God's gonna transform me into glory. I don't really think I was meant to house the fullness of God. Let me tell you this. Nothing is impossible with God. God's transformation is just the kind of miracle that displays his glory. God's transformation of you is just the kind of miracle that God works to display his glory. Will you let God transform you to display his glory? It's what he did in the life of the Apostle Paul. It's what he does in people. You were meant to house the fullness of God. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, you said that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. God, we want to do something here that's more than growing big pumpkins or that kind of thing. God, we want you to grow in us in authentic faith. God, help us to die to the things that we need to die to so that we might be transformed into the image of your son. You are in us, God, and we trust that. Your word tells us it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God, may we know your hope and your glory, your transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.